This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Well, happy Easter, everyone. We're continuing our sermon series through Holy Week of Who is Jesus? And we see here that Jesus is the victor over death. And we'll be focusing on the words from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We read them in the opening. Um, Forgive us, renew us, lead us. But I would like to read them again. This will be the focus for our sermon this morning. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But... Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for gathering us in person and online to hear your word. I pray, Lord God, that we would receive your word, that your Holy Spirit would give us ears to hear and hearts to believe your good news and then lead us to live lives of celebration. Holy Spirit, I pray that nothing I do would get in the way of your good work. In your name we pray, amen. Why are we so good at celebrating Christmas compared to how we celebrate Easter? I mean, why are we better at celebrating Christmas? Think about what we do for Christmas. The day after Thanksgiving, we go out and buy Christmas gifts, right? And we start putting up our Christmas tree and Christmas lights and start making Christmas cookies and have people over and have Christmas parties. It's like a whole month of celebration, But then when it comes to Easter, what do we do? Maybe boil a few eggs and have some people for one day, maybe? Why is that? Why are we so much better at celebrating Christmas than celebrating Easter? 
Well, I think one of the reasons is, is we have a category for Christmas. Christmas is basically a birthday party for Jesus. And we know how to celebrate birthday parties, right? You have some friends over, you put up some decorations, you have some snacks, and you you celebrate a birthday party. And it's because it's Jesus' birthday, it's, it's worth celebrating for a whole month. But when it comes to Easter, we really don't have a category for Easter. What are we celebrating on Easter? We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And how do you celebrate somebody's resurrection? It doesn't make much sense. I mean, it seems like a a pretty great trick that he was dead and then three days later he came back to life. It's something that Harry Houdini or David Copperfield were never able to pull off. But how do you celebrate it and Why celebrate? And why is it such a big deal? And what does it mean for me in my everyday life? So that's the question I want to answer this morning is, why celebrate Easter? Why celebrate? And to answer that question, we're going to go back to our reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to his church in Corinth, a city in Greece. And these were relatively new Christians, and there was a lot of excitement in this Christian church. They had lots of spiritual gifts, and there was a lot of excitement, but they also had a lot of dysfunction and a lot of problems going on in this church. And one of Paul's greatest concerns is they weren't celebrating Easter, that they weren't celebrating the resurrection. And so as he winds down his letter... He gives this long treatise on the importance of celebrating Easter and the importance of celebrating the resurrection. And so after he explains and proves that the resurrection happens, he he talks about the witnesses of the resurrection. He now explains the importance of celebrating and his great concern for this Christian church. Verse 12 says this, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, How can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? It seems like what was happening in the Corinthian church is some people were saying there is no resurrection. There is no final resurrection. We're never going to be raised from the dead and Jesus is never going to raise our bodies or resurrect our world. There's no final resurrection. Now, why would they say that? Well, again, Corinth was a city in Greece, and they would have been steeped in in Greek philosophy. And one of the Greek philosophers, one of the most well-known Greek philosophers who influenced the way they looked at the world was Plato. I don't know if you studied Plato in high school or college or remember anything about Plato's philosophy, but what he believed is that the body was unimportant, And and what we did with our body really didn't matter. What really mattered is the soul. And so he separated your physical life from your spiritual life. And the goal of life was to escape the body and be a soul somewhere up in the heavens with the gods. And so when Paul preached this message, Jesus rose from the dead, the Corinthians would say, well, why would he want to do that? Why would he want to come back in the body? The body doesn't matter. Material doesn't matter. And when Paul preached, there's going to be a final resurrection of the dead, that all of us are going to be raised to life and God's going to resurrect and renew this world, they would say, well, why would we want that to happen? 
the physical world, the material world, that really doesn't matter. Now, although maybe we never read anything from Plato, we have been influenced by Plato more than we think. We have a way of of separating our physical life, what we do Monday through Saturday, and what we do on Sunday, our spiritual life. Sometimes we think it doesn't really matter what I do with my body. The only thing that matters is my soul and whether I believe the right stuff and go to heaven when I die. But that's a lot more like Plato's philosophy than what Paul preached and what Jesus preached. And Paul is very concerned that we don't understand the importance of the resurrection of the body. And so he goes on to speak about all the problems if we don't believe in the resurrection. We don't celebrate Easter. He says this in verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul says, if there's no final resurrection of the body, then Jesus wasn't raised and you won't see the importance of Jesus' resurrection. And if Jesus wasn't raised then our faith is futile. It's empty. It has no real purpose. It has no real goal if it's just about escaping this body. And then we're still in our sins. And all those people who've died before, they're, if they're not going to be resurrected, they're lost. And if that is our faith, just about escaping the body, we don't see God's purpose in our bodies and the resurrection, he says, we're wasting our time. We are of all people most to be pitied. But then Paul goes on to say, but God is not a believer in Plato's philosophy. God has a whole nother story to tell, the biblical story. And he hints at that. He he tells us about that in verse 21. He says, for since death came through a man. And this is supposed to remind us of how the Bible begins on Genesis chapter 1. How God created the world. God created the world good. Did any of you go out and see the sunrise this morning and you look at the world and you say, that's good. God created things good. He created things like penguins and puppy dogs and he looked at them and he said, that's good. God doesn't think the material world is not important. He is deeply invested in this world that he made. He looked at it and he said, this is good. This is a good world that I made. Well, if it's a good world, what happened to the good world? Well, as Paul says, death came through a man. That reminds us of what happened, how when God created this good world and and he made human beings and he said, human beings are very good and he put them in the garden and in the middle of the garden, he put a tree. Now, this might sound like a silly story, but it's incredibly profound. It, it explains why this world is the way it is. God put them in a garden, and in the middle of the garden is this tree. And the tree is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was at the center of the garden. And that tree was supposed to represent God. God was the one who decides what's good and evil, right and wrong. And God said, don't eat from that tree. That's my tree. But Adam and Eve, they listened to the devil. 
They wanted to be God. They wanted to decide what is right and wrong, good and evil, and they ate from that tree. And that is the explanation of why this world is the way it is, because we have put ourselves in the center. We have tried to be God, and that is the origin of evil. That is the origin of selfishness. We want to be God. But it doesn't just make us selfish people or greedy people or self-centered people. It also is the explanation of sickness and death, where that came from. Now, God had every right to just get rid of the world, to just get rid of it and, and, and remove it and, and, and crumple it up like a piece of paper and throw it in the trash. But God loves his good world. He's invested in his world. He, he said it's a good world that he loves deeply. And so he decided to enter into this world. And that's what Paul goes on to say. say, He says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. God came into the world. See, God had this incredible plan to make his good world that has fallen into sin become a great world once again. But it was missing a main piece, a main piece in the puzzle. For Christmas, my family got me a, a pretty cool puzzle. Um, It was a puzzle of all my favorite 80s and 90s movies. And so we did this as a family. We put the the, the puzzle out on a card table and we all got together and it took us quite quite a while to put this puzzle together. And you know, you get to kind of the end of the puzzle and there was this piece we could not find. And we had this plan because we liked this puzzle so much that we were gonna put it all together, glue it together and hang it up on the wall. But we couldn't hang it up on the wall until we found that last puzzle piece. But once we did, it was complete and it all fit together. See, God has this incredible plan of history, of this world, of this good world, and you're part of that good world, to take this good world from a good world that fell into sin and to make it great again, to resurrect all things. And Jesus was that missing puzzle piece. And when Jesus came into the world, lived for you, died for you, and was raised to life, he was the missing piece that makes sense of the whole story. And that's why Paul goes on to explain. He says, for in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So just like Adam died, Unfortunately, because of sin, we will die. But because Christ came into this world, lived, died, and rose for you, because Christ lives, you too will live. And he says, so Christ is the first fruits. He was the first one to be raised to life. And then when he comes back again, we will be resurrected, those who belong to him. And so here's the big message. Here is what this is all about. What happened to Jesus will happen to us and the whole world. What happened to Jesus on Easter is what will happen to us. We will be resurrected, transformed, just like Jesus was transformed in the body. What happened to him will happen to us and the whole world. He will resurrect the whole world. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's that's why we celebrate Easter. And what's Jesus doing right now? 
Jesus does not believe in Plato's philosophy. Jesus still has a body. He didn't get rid of his body. He was resurrected in the body. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father until the end will come. And that's what Paul says. Paul explains what what Jesus is up to until he returns. He says, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. What's Jesus doing right now? He is reigning. He is in charge. And as king, he is putting all of his enemies under his feet right now. And that begins by putting evil, the evil that is in our hearts to destroy that. And so as Christians, every day we go to King Jesus and we repent of our sins and he, through his grace, destroys the evil in us. And it's a lifelong process of him destroying all that is wrong. And then we join him on his mission to destroy evil in this world. That's why we stand up for those who've been abused and marginalized We reach out to the poor. We bring down the proud and lift up the lowly. We reign with him, looking to destroy all that is evil, beginning with what's going on even in our own heart until he comes back and finishes the job and he destroys our last enemy, death itself, and resurrects us and resurrects our world. Now, when Paul thinks about this, he can't contain himself He is so excited about Jesus' victory. He breaks out into spontaneous song, basically, quoting the Old Testament. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's one of those guys that's not afraid of death at all. I mean, what do you do with a guy like that who's not afraid of death? They tried to persecute him for his faith. They threw him in jail. They threatened him with death. But but he didn't care. He said, you can take this life, but this body is going to be resurrected. And he was just kind of full of that kind of energy and excitement all the time, knowing that whatever happened to him, he would be resurrected. And then he teaches us what we should be doing today, celebrating. He says, thanks be to God who's given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I would encourage you to do. Celebrate Easter. Celebrate Easter. I know we probably haven't been planning on Easter like we do for Christmas, planning for a month to celebrate Easter, but it's not too late. The day's not over. I want to encourage you to celebrate Easter because Jesus has won the victory. He is the missing piece that fulfills the puzzle. I don't know how many of you were here for Ash Wednesday. But 40 days ago, when we started the season of Lent on Ash Wednesday, I I said, I encouraged us to follow that ancient practice of fasting. 
of maybe fasting from food or technology or anything that has an unhealthy control in your life in preparation for Holy Week. Well, if Lent is the season of fasting, Easter is the day of feasting. I was saying last night to our, our group who came and worshiped on Saturday night, it's not too late. Why don't you go out to Culver's afterwards or go to Cops and get the good custard, right, to celebrate. Go buy the good chocolate. Go have some fun today and celebrate because Jesus has won the victory. It's not too late to celebrate. In fact, we should celebrate so much that the people who, who, who don't know anything about Christianity, they, they're looking in, they're pressing their face against the glass, and they're seeing how we celebrate, and they want to be a part of the party, that we're not afraid of death because we believe Jesus is alive. Our sin has been canceled, death has been defeated, and he's coming back again. But this is such a big deal that we can't just confine our celebration to one day. That's what the early church found out. You see, for over a thousand years, God's people had been celebrating or or worshiping on Saturday. The Sabbath was a day of worship and rest. But because the resurrection of Jesus was such a big deal, they changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. And that's a big deal because you know how hard it can be to change things in the church, right? And they changed that. They changed the day of worship from Saturday to Sunday because they knew that they wanted to worship God Jesus and celebrate the resurrection all year long. So that's what I encourage you to do. Don't just confine your celebration to just today. This is too big of a deal to just confine your celebration to one day. Let's gather together week after week after week and make every Sunday a mini Easter Sunday celebration. Now, I love Christmas as much as the next person Not as much as Pastor Bill. He celebrates Christmas better than anybody else that I know. And I don't think we should minimize that at all. I think we should celebrate Christmas as much as we we ever have. Take the whole month. It's Jesus' birthday. It's worthy of our celebration. I just believe that we need to celebrate Easter so well that we make Christmas look like an afterthought. Because this is what it's all about. Sing dance, have some good food today, have the friends over, celebrate because death has been defeated, sin has been paid for, Jesus has won the victory and he's coming back again to finish the job, to resurrect your bodies and resurrect this world. And so celebrate Christmas, that's great, but celebrate today. This is what it's all about. Celebrate Easter because it's the most wonderful time of the year. Amen. In a moment, I'm going to pray, but right now I'm going to welcome our band to come forward. Uh, usually at this time, we, we speak the words of the Apostles' Creed, but in keeping in line with the joy of Easter, we're going to sing the Apostles' Creed by singing, We Believe. So I'll pray, and then we'll sing the Apostles' Creed with We Believe. Let's pray. Lord God, We believe in the resurrection. We believe that you're coming back again to renew all things. We believe that you rose and right now you are reigning. Help us to see the significance of your kingdom right now. Rule in us right now. Lead us to drive out evil out of our hearts and out of our world. Looking forward to the day you return and finish the job. Lord Jesus, lead us to celebrate. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast. 
brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.